0: Hello, I'm Michael Watson and this is the Influence Watch Podcast. This week, the Federal Bureau of Labor Statistics reported that the Consumer Price Index measure of inflation had surged to 8.5% year-on-year. Accelerating inflation and surging gas prices have led numerous states to take action to ease the pain, but few have taken the unusual steps Illinois has to ensure the state's political class gets the credit it thinks it deserves for it by requiring merchants to post notices or include on receipts statements that certain taxes have been suspended. Joining me to discuss Illinois' recent tax decisions and the state's compulsory advertising for them is Adam Schuster, Vice President of Policy at the Illinois Policy Institute. Uh, Adam, before we begin, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work with IPI?
1: Sure. So, uh, Adam Schuster, I'm uh, newly the Vice President of Policy at the Illinois Policy Institute. Up Until a few weeks ago, my title was Senior Director of Budget and Tax Research. So, my focus uh, is fiscal policy, which is uh, uh, fitting that that's what we're discussing Um, today. uh, And for people who aren't familiar with the Institute, the Institute is a nonpartisan independent think tank that performs public policy research uh, on problems facing Illinois and comes up with solutions to those problems. Uh, We then promote those solutions both to the General Assembly to try to get them to pass good bills and not pass bad bills uh, and through the media.
0: So let's set the stage. I mean, I'm in Maryland. When I think of Illinois, I think of a fellow high-tax state. Um, what What's what's going on with grocery and fuel taxes uh, before all this, you know, suspension debate?
1: Sure. So Illinois is one of only a handful of states that um, has a sales tax on groceries. Uh, like other states that do have a sales tax on groceries, um, it's reduced. So the, the normal state sales tax rate is 6.25%. You only pay a 1%... Um, tax on groceries. Uh, One of the tax changes that Governor Pritzker uh, and the General Assembly are proposing this year is to uh, basically lower the rate to zero percent for a year. So no grocery tax um, for one year. Um, The other tax policy proposal, or the other tax policy proposals that the governor um, signed and the legislature agreed with uh, are a six-month delay In the gas tax increase, Uh, and I'm being very careful about how I say that because originally what the governor proposed was a, a one year suspension. Um, of the gas tax increase, but that's not actually what passed. What's,
0: what's, the, what's the difference between, I mean, yeah. what's the difference between a suspension and a delay?
1: So, uh, you know, originally it would have been um, no penny increase this year at all. Uh, that means, so I, I need to take a step back. Governor Pritzker doubled the gas tax uh, in, in 2019. So when he took office, we had the 10th highest gas taxes in the nation. We now have the second highest gas taxes in the nation, thanks to that bill that, that doubled the gas tax here. Uh, Not only did it double the state gas tax, but it also put in place automatic annual increases of about a penny a year through inflation indexing that don't even require a vote from our politicians to go through. They just get more of your money with no accountability. Um, It also greatly expanded local governments' uh, authority to impose their own uh, local local motor fuel taxes. So in his budget this year, originally the governor proposed um, not doing the penny increase this year. Just no no increase in the gas tax this year. To um, just just waive it. Just waive, waive it. it for this year. Waive it this year and it'll go back. Come back, go next, back next, year. next year. But yeah, waive it this year. Um, The road builders, other unions, um, didn't like that idea because they pointed out that you'd be getting a lower baseline next year. You'd you'd be missing out on a year of increases. And they said over 10 years, this would...
0: Right. It's a compound compound interest thing. Precisely.
1: So they they were basically saying that it would cost them close to $2 billion over 10 years in, in road funds. So instead, the governor delayed the increase from July, when it normally would have taken effect, to January. But there's still going to be another increase next July. So that just means we're getting two gas tax increases. So, so the
0: so the so the annual one cent increase is in July. This bill kicked it six months. Exactly. But then it then the normal schedule resumed.
1: Precisely. So there will be one January first this year, and then an, sorry, January first next year, twenty twenty three, and then another July first, twenty twenty three. So we're just getting our taxes hiked twice next year instead of uh, once this year and once next year. <laughs> um, but
0: worse than that. So so you know, and then. Go
1: ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I, I was gonna say that I think the worst part of it is as pitiful as that relief is. and it, it's not relief. He's not cutting the gas tax. He's just delaying an increase. He's also trying to force business owners, every gas station in the state of Illinois to essentially... right because
0: this is this is this is the weird this is the weird thing. So it's like in in Maryland, we have for the next three days, our gas tax is suspended. So we have unusually cheap gas relative to our neighbors. Uh, but Illinois is doing a very weird thing where they have to, like, advertise for it? Exactly. I mean, it's,
1: first of all, it's a gimmick, right? Like you're saying, a gas tax suspension, these types of things, that's real relief. This isn't relief. It's the absence of a hike, right? Um, but not only that, they're trying to force businesses under penalty of law, under a penalty of a $500 fine per day to post a sign basically um, promoting this as tax relief. Uh, and telling people at every single pump uh, that the penny... Even
0: even though, as we have discussed, this isn't actually really in any meaningful way relief. The gas tax is still in force. It's just one, a couple percent of it has been waived for six months.
1: Exactly. And it's essentially propaganda because, I mean you're You're misleading people into thinking this is tax relief, and you're sort of using taxpayer resources, government resources, public resources to promote an individual's reelection campaign. Um, and so I very I'm quite confident there will be lawsuits about this, and I really hope that this provision at least gets struck down.
0: Mm-hmm. so and then what's going on with so the and and the grocery that also they also have to advertise for the relief that has been the relief I'm air quoting that has been granted.
1: Yeah, so that one's a little different. Um, they require well, it is a requirement. It's uh, the the legal language is shall. So it's not optional. Uh, grocery stores have to post this. However, there's no penalty mechanism like there is for gas stations. I think when they proposed the, the gas station provision to force them to propagandize this, the, the fines and the $500 per day penalties generated a lot of backlash. So the grocery store provision, it's a legal requirement, but there's so, sort of no teeth behind it because there's no fines if you fail to comply.
0: Mm-hmm. I see. So how does how does all this interact with broader Illinois budget and tax policy? I know we've talked to a couple of your colleagues before and it's a lot of not good.
1: Well, you have to start from the baseline understanding that Illinois has among the highest state and local taxes in the nation. It depends on how you measure, but by some measures, we have the highest tax burden for a typical resident or for a middle class resident of all 50 states. Despite those extremely high taxes, We are also the most indebted state in the nation. So you think those two things uh, shouldn't be able to go together, but they do. Um, We take more money from our economy and from our taxpayers than any other state, and we still have more debt compared to the size of our state economy than any other state. The the largest share of that debt being for unfunded pension liabilities, we've got the by far the worst pension crisis that any state or government has ever seen um, in this country.
0: And, and this has to, and this has quite a bit to do with how powerful the government worker unions are in the state.
1: Yes, it, exactly. The, there's two primary reasons for this: uh, the the militant power of the government worker unions uh, in this state, and the fact that we had for over 30 years, Mike Madigan the longest-serving legislative leader of any legislature in U.S. history, who was hand-in-hand, buddy-buddy with the unions. They helped fund his campaigns, uh, and he helped pass legislation to increase their benefits without doing a cost estimate for how much it it would cost or without coming up with a reasonable plan for how taxpayers could pay for those uh, very, very generous uh, retirement benefits.
0: Mr. Vadigan has been had some recent issues, has he not?
1: Yes, he is no longer uh, the Speaker of the House. You know, uh, he uh, left uh, in the midst of a corruption scandal. Um, he's under federal indictment uh, for uh, alleged bribery schemes in which he um, accepted and sought bribes from ComEd, our state's largest uh, energy utility, uh, in order to pass legislation that jacked up energy rates on consumers.
0: Hmm. Uh, and obviously he is not alone in being a man of questionable ethics in Illinois government.
1: I mean, four of our uh, last six governors have uh, gone to jail. We've got the largest number of public corruption convictions uh, of any state. and. Uh, the highest perception of public corruption uh, among voters of any state in the country. So uh, he's certainly not alone. And, you know, both both Madigan and the larger corruption issues are deeply connected to our fiscal problems and our debt problems. And that's why, um, you know... People don't trust politicians here when they make promises about tax policy. Uh, you saw the the defeat of the progressive income tax last year for people who are not
0: familiar. Illinois won. Yeah, talk, of the us, talk us talk us through talk us through that a little bit because that was actually surprising. Yeah, at least from an outside view.
1: I think it was surprising to a lot of people because Illinois is considered to be a deeply blue state. Um, you know, if you look at presidential uh, election vote totals and the like, and um, Despite that, we're one of only a handful of states that has a constitutionally guaranteed flat income tax. Uh, Governor Pritzker uh, campaigned on and proposed a constitutional amendment that would have replaced that flat income tax guarantee with basically open-ended taxing authority for the General Assembly to create as many rates as they wanted, as many brackets as they wanted, um, and was sort of it a- would
0: be like the federal income tax.
1: Uh, like the federal income tax, yes, and we considered it given the debt problems that we have, sort of Pandora's box uh, for Illinois. And while it was sold as as a tax on the you, rich, you'd, you'd
0: end up with California's state tax system, precisely.
1: It, it was a Trojan horse for higher taxes in the middle class because that's where the money is. And and when it was originally proposed, uh, it actually had about sixty five, sixty six percent in public polls support. So uh, enough to support enough support to pass on the ballot. Um, and you know the Olin Policy Institute, I think, was one of the leading opponents of, of this tax hike proposal. And we did a lot of work to educate people on the lack of guardrails and the fact that it could mean higher taxes for them. And it ended up failing with only forty-six percent in favor.
0: So, it, so it actually a majority voted against. It. Exactly. Um what is it What does it look like going forward? Obviously, now with uh, the. You know, you have now this automatic increase in the fuel tax, which, although it's been delayed, will be coming back. Uh, they weren't able to get the progressive tax. Are they going to come back with that? Um, kind of what's what's the game going forward? Because none, none of this pension stuff is going to get any better, is my understanding.
1: Yeah, I, honestly, I think the game is to kick the can till after the election right now. Um, the tax relief, such as it is, that's been proposed is all temporary, uh, you know, six months to a year. Um, And uh, it can't be sustained past that. Right right now, Illinois is in a better position than it has been in two decades because we're floating on this flood of $14 billion in, in aid from the federal government. And that's supporting our cash flows. Um, that money runs out after this year. Illinois has spent all of that money essentially, um, and so without spending reform, without you know structural reforms to bring our budget into balance over a multi-year period, this tax relief can't be sustained. Um, the governor not only has not sought any of those reforms um, in his first three years; he imposed twenty-four different tax and fee hikes that collectively took more than $5 billion extra out of the hands of private sector Illinoisans, both businesses and individuals. And if you look at this, this you know sort of pitiful election year uh, tax relief, it's kind of a gimmick. Um, compared to the tax hikes that were imposed in the first three years it still leaves the average illinois family with a net tax hike of almost twenty two hundred dollars um so the, yeah so, so to call this tax relief you're giving people back about five hundred and fifty dollars for one year but you took about twenty seven hundred from them right there's there's no way that this math works and it's not tax relief you're not even making people whole for the tax hikes you just imposed
0: yeah now that that's that's
1: wow <laughs> Um, So, you know, Um, I I think the the, the budget outlook long term in Illinois is really mostly unchanged, but they're kind of using this federal money to act like the problems are solved to buy them breathing room until after November.
0: Well, I mean, that's expected, but unfortunate. Um, Anything else that you guys uh, are working on over at IPI that our listeners should know about?
1: Well, um, I would say that if you're interested in reading about, uh, you know, these tax gimmicks, IllinoisPolicy.org uh, has all of the information. Um, I would also say because, you know, uh, what we do at the Illinois Policy Institute is not just point out problems. We, we like to find solutions. And there are Common sense fiscal solutions that have been instituted in other states to solve Illinois' debt problems, to bring down our deficit, and over time uh, eliminate uh, um, our debt and, and lower taxes.
0: At the, at the at the risk of at the risk of putting you on the spot, is there like one that you would say is the most important yes. that you would propose? The
1: largest single thing that Illinois could do to lower its tax burdens at both the state and local level is a constitutional amendment. To allow for pension reform, you can do that in a way that still protects the benefits that people have earned to date, but allows for reductions in how fast the benefits grow going forward. This would not only help so, balance the state budget, but also bring down property taxes because pension debt is the largest driver of a property tax burden.
0: So, so in Illinois, they you can't you can't touch anything with pensions without a constitutional amendment. No. I,
1: our, our pension protections are an extreme legal outlier. Um, so most states and the federal government do have some protections for pension benefits, but they typically protect earned pension benefits, meaning that you can't take away money earned for work already performed. Uh, in Illinois, we have hmm. a pension clause that guarantees the entire benefit formula as of the first day an employee is hired. So if you were hired at age twenty, um, you know thirty-five years ago, nothing about your pension benefits can ever change until you, know, th- until you die. They're guaranteed. Right. So
0: so if I so if I if I sign on if I sign on as a bus driver at you know twenty-one, whatever pension I've been was in force when I signed on. That's in force forever.
1: Exactly. All of the the formula that determines them. So your salary can go up. Your pension benefits can go up. They can just never go down in any way. Or or the, the growth rate can't even be reduced, right? So, um, wow. you know, and this has led to some really... Regar-
0: regardless of how the, the investments do, regardless of how the economy does, there's it just cannot be touched.
1: And regardless of whether the money's there to pay the benefits that have been promised, Illinois only has 40 cents saved for every dollar in promises it's made to its retirees. Um, so ultimately the system is going to uh, go broke without some structural reform the question is when not if
0: yeah that that math doesn't work
1: Um, and you know this this is a reform again uh, there's Uh, If you look at official state numbers, which are are, they they have lower debt estimates than the credit rating agencies, but according to the official state numbers, there's about $144 billion in debt at the state level, and then there's $75 billion in debt at the local level just for pensions. That's a $219 billion problem. Uh, It's the leading driver of our budget deficits, it's the leading driver of our income tax hikes that have been imposed over the last decade, and it is the leading cause of property tax hikes because uh, these municipalities and cities throughout the state are just struggling to keep up with with the cost of these pensions, um, and there's no way for them to do it without continually, year after year, asking property taxpayers for more.
0: And the last time we had one of your colleagues on, uh, she told us that the Organized labor has a ballot measure to make all of this even worse?
1: Yes. So, Amendment One, or you could call it the Union Power Amendment, uh, basically would create special constitutional protections that would give uh, public sector labor unions the ability to override the will of the voters, override even state law through collective bargaining. Um, And, you know, as bad as the progressive income tax proposal was, uh, this is. Probably the more dangerous uh, constitutional amendment proposal between the two, because it has the ability to to take these worst in the nation debt problems and just blow them up uh, beyond anything I think anybody has conceived of so far, certainly anything we've seen. Um, No other state has anything like this amendment one um, special guarantee for, for labor unions.
0: Well, uh, thank you for joining us again, Adam Schuster, Vice President of Policy at the Illinois Policy Institute. Uh, We'll include links to some of his and his colleagues' work in today's show notes. That's our show for this week. We encourage our listeners to subscribe on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you, and please leave us a five-star rating. Those ratings really help us find new listeners, especially if they come with a positive review. We'll see you all next week.